It's the May 24, 2019 edition of Weekly Signals Meltdown, a reconfiguration of the last 168 hours of history, broadcasting from Studio A at KCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. And as always, an extremely stable genius, Mahler, the fake news dog. (laughs) Coming up, pardoning war criminals, Oreos. Yeah, no, not now, Mahler. Not now. That's for later. That's for after the show, Mahler. Yeah. Yeah. We can't have chocolate. <laughs> okay. Can't that's chocolate. Yeah. LSD and more. But first, do you like Jeff Koons, Mike? You know, the artist. Jeff I know Coons, who he is. Jeff Koons. Yeah, he's a modern conservative. The balloon animals. The balloons, and uh, yes. Michael Jackson in porcelain. I think he is a businessman uh-huh. first and an artist second. Yeah. So it taints my perspective of him. I'm not sure how I should feel about it. I agree him. with you on one count. Yes. He's a businessman first. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, wannabe artist Jeff Koons' stainless steel sculpture of a rabbit called Rabbit set a record for the most bucks bid for a work by a living artist. That would be $91.1 million dollars besting the previous record of $90.3 million set last November for a work by David Hockney. Portrait of an artist, in case you're wondering, pool with two figures. is a real famous Hockney, if you're familiar with Hockney. I am, and I, yeah, I know One guy it. is standing by the edge of a pool. Yeah. The other guy is swimming toward him. It's obviously Southern California, mm-hmm. and Hockney's colors yeah. of Southern California. Yes. That's what makes Hockney. Yes, it me. is. Coons is a visual artist, as you know, mm-hmm. a sculptor. Yes. He's to visual art what the cast of Glee is to music. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> the buyer of Rabbit was Robert Mnuchin. Huh, that name sounds so <laughs> yeah. familiar. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin's dad. Yeah. Uh, Robert is a former executive at Goldman Sachs who currently works as an art dealer. Higher prices have been paid for works of deceased artists. The record is $450 million for Salvador Mundi, a portrait of Jesus by Leonardo da Vinci. That's a little bit more history behind it, I think, than Rabbit. Yeah. What, <laughs> I think, what do I yeah, know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Robert Mnuchin was bidding on Rabbit for an anonymous client. There's all sorts of guessing as to who bought this piece of crap. But <laughs> this is what Trump's tax cut. Yeah, it's a, it's freed up money for this. Actually, yeah. this is a phenomena that's relatively new in terms of people with too much money, yeah. is that in your quote-unquote portfolio, if you don't have art, you're missing out because this is all just a game. I think that's what you're alluding to. It's not about the art itself. Yeah, let's forget the workers. Yeah. And buy stainless steel rabbits. Exactly. Yeah. For $91 million. Yeah. But not like father, not like son. In some ways, Robert was recently near tears when asked about his son Steve and refused to comment about their relationship. Friends said that dad's in a tough spot. Okay. Yeah. Wow. He donated to Hillary's campaign, but he's trying to be a loyal father to a son who's working for a douchebag. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile... 
at a House Financial Services Committee hearing where Steve, the prodigal son, was running cover for Trump by pretending that Congress had no authority to look at Trump's tax returns, Congress member Rashida Tlaib, you know her. I right? do. Yeah. Yeah, she's I a, like her. She's a spitfire, you know, that one. Firebrand. Yes, she is. Firebrand. Yeah, firebrand. Democrat from Michigan told the son of Rabbit's Bitter, that would be Steve Mnuchin, yes. Secretary, please seek out legal advice personally of what your obligations are because the Department of Justice is not protecting you. It's protecting the president. Yes. Let's move on. All right, shall we? This is something else we're going to talk about. Yes. While charting the most detailed 3D map of our galaxy, we're going to get out of art. Yes. Into space. Into space, Mahler. (laughs) (laughs) While charting the most... While charting the most detailed 3D map of our galaxy, researchers discovered that something had blown a massive hole in the Milky Way. This is mind-boggling Yeah. Well, they lead you the wrong way in the story. Yes, they do. Because it's... Well, we'll get into it. Yeah, we will. Yeah, I know what you're No one knows what caused the hole, if it even is a hole. That's the key here. The hole maker is undetectable by telescopes. It's a dense bullet of something. Anna Banaka of the Harvard-Smithsonian Center of Astrophysics said, Banaka has been studying high-precision data harvested from the Gaia spacecraft, particularly on tidal streams, which are star clusters being blown by gravity into streams that can stretch thousands of light years. So you got that? These are stars, like big streams of stars. Unless something disrupts them, those streams tend to maintain a consistent density. Banaka saw a disturbance, a cosmic bullet ripping through a tidal stream and dragging stars in its ginormous gravitational wake. (laughs) It's much more massive than a star, this hole or whatever made this gap. Mm -hmm. Something like a million times the mass of the sun. A million times. A million times the mass of the sun. Mahler, a million times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, if it were a black hole, it would be a supermassive black hole of the kind we find at the center of our galaxy. Yeah. So they're thinking, probably not a black hole. There's no sign of any object nearby that could have ripped through a tidal stream, and dark matter doesn't reflect any light, so the hole could be unseeable dark matter. In other words, yes. you have yeah, this yeah. huge, a million times larger than the sun blob of black matter that's covering up the yeah. stream. Yes. Yeah. It's just kind of moving in whatever direction dark matter tends to move. Yeah. Once again, we're finding these things out about the universe. And by the way, Mueller, I know, has a particular interest yeah. in astronomy <laughs> because I know he spends a lot of time studying Uranus. Oh, God. <laughs> yes. Oh, God, do, do we have... It was just sitting there. I just, it wasn't I, sitting there. It was sitting it there. Wasn't sitting it there. was sitting there. <laughs> really? We go from stars streaming to Uranus. It's so Beavis and Butthead of you. Climate damage. Climate damage sucks, Mike. It does. You know that. Yeah, I know that. And nobody talks about it, except for us here at Weekly (laughs) Signals. Sometimes I feel like I'm in a vacuum, at least on media. Yes. Is anyone out there? Hello, is this thing on? (laughs) Not really. Hello. The world is burning (laughs) down. We are talking about truly apocalyptic things on this show. Yeah. And we don't want to. Well, no. It's just we've been following the news, yeah. and this thing just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. We're paying attention. Is yeah, what if we're it doing. Was, it's like every day 
they elected a new president and he dropped dead. Yeah. And they had to elect a new one and he dropped dead. And you're saying, well, look, everybody. <laughs> Only 4% of the media outlets cover the fact that every day for the last year, the president's dropped dead. He's dropped yeah. <laughs> You look in the mirror. Is it just me? Yeah. I mean, am I am I the only one who sees what is actually going on around here? I don't even know. <laughs> is it just? Yes, and Mahler. In 2018, less than 4% of national television news segments mentioned climate change as an emergency. So environmental groups are now petitioning major networks to acknowledge that fact that the Earth is getting dangerously hotter. A climate crisis is what they want to call it. Yeah. Instead of calling it a climate change, this is climate crisis time. Meanwhile, according to a new study, the amount of the atmospheric greenhouse gas carbon dioxide that plants absorb using photosynthesis to make organic matter has increased in nearly constant proportion to the rise in atmospheric carbon dioxide levels. So this is kind of good news. It is kind they're, of. They're kind of taking up some of the slack here for us because oh. we're being stupid. Elevated carbon dioxide levels are like fertilizer for plants in the tropics, driving an increase in their leaf area. So there's more to absorb. Yeah, good. In higher latitudes, rising global temperatures appear to be increasing both leaf area and plant growing seasons. But the increase in photosynthesis rates will likely slow because of a few things. Photosynthesis saturation. Yes. It's, you can't do anymore. Yeah. Nutrient limitations. Yes. They can't grow enough anymore. Or leaf areas reaching a maximum in an area. You know, that they got so big, that's it. No more. So there's only so much plants can do. Planet Earth is trying to help us out. It's doing whatever it can with the limited resources available to the plant kingdom to absorb all the carbon dioxide that's in the air. But there are studies, other studies, that it's overwhelming trees, beginning to just sort of saturate them to the point where they can't absorb any more. So there is one other thing that this story points to, which I think is something important to point out. Nature wants to restore itself. Nature is predisposed to repair itself. And they're finding that out in the study of animals, the extinction of certain animals, or the pulling out of an animal from a certain ecosystem can have a very detrimental impact. Putting it back in there can have a very restorative impact on the ecology of that system. In fact, to the point where it restores itself to its full capacity. But we keep killing off the, what they call these keystone species in our, on ah. our planet, and that's a problem. Well, according to a landmark report last week that we talked about, one million of the Earth's species are at risk of extinction, and biodiversity is declining at an unprecedented rate. Right. We're to blame, Mike. Yes. You and me. Yes. We're to blame, but according to new research, we can help, starting by sharing our homes or our area around our homes. That's right. Major U.S. cities have between 19 and 69% green space. I think Irvine has 80% green space. Yeah, yeah. I'm just kidding about yeah, that. But, yeah. but it has a huge amount of green space. It does. You go look at the city hall where they have all that crap lawn planted in front and Bird of Paradise, which offers nothing. If they yeah. were to go to a, like a, what we're going to talk about is a restorative landscaping around yeah. city hall. It would have a tremendous impact. Yeah. The study says that if humans like us turn these areas into quality habitat, we can help certain species not go extinct by 
converting lawns and paved areas to spaces that include wildlife-friendly things like native plants. We can provide necessary food and habitats resources for animals, even if animals don't stay and use the area as a B&B. Right. They come and go. Exactly. Improving the habitability of our land can help species that are using it to move away from other uninhabitable sites into more inhabitable areas. We can help slow the pace of extinction. (laughs) Moving quickly through a site to breeding grounds is good, but moving through low-quality habitats like cities can be very dangerous for the species. If landscape planners think more about creating habitat pockets, they don't need to worry so much about keeping unbroken tracts of natural areas. They should keep those. But they should also focus on just making what we have here more habitable more for habitable, animals. More habitable, more friendly. One way to do this is to incorporate lots of native plant species into our yards and cities. Many plant nurseries have sections marked with pollinator-friendly plants, and many states have native plant societies that can advise you on what to grow in your garden. But first of all, get rid of your lawn. Get rid of your lawn. It's if a you're, waste. If, by the way, this is kind of a rule of thumb. If you're using Roundup, on your yard in order to maintain whatever it is you think you need to maintain, stop it. Stop using Roundup and start going towards drought-tolerant landscaping. There are counties, L.A. County for a while, I don't know if they're still doing it, was actually paying for you to uproot your lawn and replace it with drought-tolerant. They were going to give you money to go. And natives are the best. That's what we're talking about here. I mean, drought-tolerant doesn't help for the species that are in our area. Yeah, native, exactly. And I recommend going to Tree of Life down in San Juan Capistrano. It's a nursery. It's inland. It's on Ortega Highway. That's all they do. California native. And my favorite native, which grows crazy, I don't know why it hasn't caught on here yeah. in Irvine, is the coffee berry, or it's called the Ramnus Californica. And it grows into a nice, big, healthy bush. You can practically just plant those in your yard. They have little berries that the birds love. It's yeah. a native plant, and I've never had a bad one. I just stick them in the ground and they grow. That's great. Boop. That's good to know. That's great. Great. Yeah. Oh, and Mahler likes him, too. Yeah, well, yeah. In a week where Trump failed to block a congressional subpoena demanding his accounting firm turn over financial records, then lost another case to stop the short list of banks willing to do business with him, Deutsche Bank and Capital One, from turning over more, then walking out on an infrastructure meeting because Nancy said he was covering up, then watching as calls for impeachment grew louder even in his own party where Republican Tea Party member Justin Amash is organizing impeach Trump rallies, Trump's acting defense secretary, Patrick Shanahan, mandated new restrictions on the way the Pentagon shares information with Congress about military operations around the world. This is spooky stuff. It is. It is. The memo comes as lawmakers from both parties complain that the Trump Republican administration has withheld information that prevents them from executing their constitutionally mandated oversight role. This administration doesn't want us to know anything about anything. You ran through the litany of crazy that was Trump this week, but you're right. At the end of the day, I have absolutely no doubt that we were running military operations, secret military operations, with a significant amount of U.S. military assets in Africa. Yeah, and we always have. That's not to say that the Pentagon has always been completely open. They haven't. That's a new level in my opinion. Yeah, exactly right. 
this is something where they've made it legal to be secretive. Yes. At least Congress could push and you'd have Ollie North making a fool of himself trying to cover for HW. Yeah, yeah. This is real. It's happening. We are in a pitched battle with the Chinese and to some degree the Russians for control over the resources, the assets in Africa, all over the continent. And we are destabilizing those governments that are somewhat stable now in order to achieve our ends. And this is going to end badly. It's going to end with U.S. military lives being lost. And we won't know about it until we're halfway into it or more. So this acting defense secretary, Shanahan, His memo outlines a half dozen guidelines, including requirements that military officials and political appointees evaluate whether the request contains sufficient information to demonstrate a relationship to the legislative function. This is what they keep doing now. They keep talking about the legislative function and trying to limit Congress's actions to do anything to check on the executive branch. Senator Jack Reed, uh, Rhode Island, the top Democrat on the Senate Armed Services Committee, said the memo seems to be another way in which they claim that they don't need to respond to legitimate inquiry of Congress. While Trump has praised Shanahan, who worked for Boeing, a Boeing executive, so he will profit from selling war machinery. You know that. Somewhere he's got contacts that are going to help him out. Because that's exactly what he wants to do, yeah. is boost defense budget, find as many places to use heavy artillery as he can. Yeah. Lawmakers are skeptical about his ability, Shanahan's ability, to act as a counterweight to the president and John I'm the walrus Bolton, the, Bolton. the warmonger. Yeah. This will probably hurt Shanahan's confirmation chances, I would yeah. assume. He doesn't care. Yeah, he doesn't care. No, no. At the end of the day, he's just, he's a shill. He's a lobbyist for Boeing or for for whatever. It looks good on his resume. Yeah. And that's really about all of it. Some lawmakers see Shanahan's decision to shift resources toward construction of a border wall, which has helped make up for Congress's refusal to allocate funds for that purpose as an effort to rub dirt in the lawmakers' faces. Exactly. Earlier, we were talking about dark matter in space and all that The U.S. military budget, all of the attendant businesses around it, Raytheon, Boeing, McDonnell Douglas, you name it, all of this, this is the dark matter of American politics. We know it's impacting everything about our lives in some way. It's affecting it and the politics by which we operate. But it's always in the shadows. We really are not allowed to even discuss it in polite conversation. What impact does $750 billion have on our society that's going into the most accomplished killing operation in the history of mankind. Well, and now it's even being pushed further into obscurity. To your point, yes. Uh Yes, that's right. If this news frightens you, may I recommend a donation to KUCI to ease your spirits? Your generous donation is how we stay stay on air. Commercial free Freeform free speech radio at KUCI 88.9 FM. Just go to KUCI.org and give us your money. Money, yeah. money, money, money. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. Visit us at Facebook. Dot com slash KUCI 88.9 on our Tumblr blog at KUCIRadio.tumblr.com on Twitter at KUCIFM on Instagram at KUCIFM stream us live on TuneIn 
And on iTunes, go to Internet College University, KUCI 88.9 FM. Thank you, Molly. Current and former military officers told Trump not to pardon service members and security contractors implicated in war crimes. That makes sense to me. Oh, of course. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want war criminals associated with your army unless you're Duterte or Idi Amin Uh (sighs) or Adolf Hitler. Aides to Trump have been checking out high-profile war crime cases from Iraq and Afghanistan, preparing paperwork so Trump won't read it and issue pardons on Memorial Day. But the possibility that Trump will issue pardons to war criminals has brought a flood of opposition from current and former military big guns who say it would encourage war crimes by showing that acting like Charles Manson will be treated with leniency. And you'd say, oh, yeah, Charles Manson. But wait till I get into some of this stuff. Among those who under consideration for a pardon is Chief Petty Officer Edward Gallagher, a Navy SEAL awaiting court-martial. Two SEAL snipers told investigators that one day from his sniper nest, Gallagher just shot a girl who was walking with other girls on a riverbank for target practice. On another occasion, a medic was treating a youth on the ground when Gallagher walked up without a word and stabbed the wounded teenager several times in the neck and once in the chest with his hunting knife, killing him. Gallagher would order his platoon to fire rockets at houses for no reason. He routinely parked his armored truck on the Tigris River Bridge and indiscriminately emptied the truck's heavy machine gun into neighborhoods on the other side. Went at it. Other cases for pardon include Army Major Matthew Goldstein, who is charged with killing an unarmed Afghan in 2010, three Marine snipers prosecuted for urinating on the corpse of a dead Afghan fighter in 2011, and a former security guard for Blackwater Worldwide who was convicted of murder in December for killing unarmed Iraqis in 2017. So, at this rate, I say we pardon Adolf Eichmann. What the heck? (laughs) Yeah, what do you say? Posthumous. I mean, the the good news is the reaction has been among military people, which is it sends a very, very troubling message. It undermines our reputation. Well, Trump undermines the reputation, and he did pretending he had bone spurs. If you don't want to go to war, great. Yeah. In fact, I encourage it. Just say it. Yeah. Don't let daddy cover for you by paying off a doctor to say you have bone spurs. He's a coward. He's... Oh, okay. I got to calm down. I know. I mean, he hasn't done it yet, but there, there, obviously it's got to a point, a critical mass. It must have been bantied about yeah. in terms of we are thinking about doing this, causing this reaction among the military. And when the military's standing up to say, don't do this, yeah, uh, you got to pay attention. <laughs> yeah, Mueller, I know. It's just, yeah, it's distressing. Trump's Republican Department of Housing and Urban Development proposed a new rule that would weaken Obama-era protections for homeless transgender people. Gee, I wonder if Obama has anything to do with the fact that Trump did this. You know, it had Obama's name, <laughs> on, his it. name yeah. on it. Yeah. Allowing federally funded shelters to deny people admission on religious grounds. So in other words, if you're a a bigoted Christian, 
Yeah, and I'm not saying all Christians are bigoted, but you know who you, you are. You are a very specific yeah. subgroup of Christians <laughs> yeah. that are bigoted. And, and yeah. you don't want to have a transgender person in your homeless shelter. You just say, get out of yeah, here. Apparently, according to Donald J. Trump. The proposed rule came one day after HUD Secretary Ben Sleepy Eyes Carson assured members of Congress the agency had no plans to eliminate the 2012 Equal Access Rule. Yeah, right. So he lied. He lied. This sounds familiar to me. Yeah. It's like a bad dream. It is a very bad You know, bad when dream. someone comes to a meeting and they say, I'm not going to do something. Yes. And the next day, they do it. They do it. Yeah. They've already done it, actually. Yeah. Anyway, this yes. rule barred federal housing discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity. Carson said he was going to touch it next day. Yeah. It's gone. That's the proposal is the latest move by the Trump administration to weaken protections for transgender Americans, including a Department of Defense ban on transgender troops and a Department of Health and Human Services proposal allowing medical providers to deny treatment to transgender people on religious grounds. Did you see Carson being lit up by Katie Porter. Meanwhile, uh, okay. when our representative Sorry. in Congress, Katie Porter, asked Ben Sleepy Eyes Carson at a congressional hearing whether he knew what the housing term REO was, Carson thought she was talking about Oreos. An Oreo? Carson asked. No, said Katie Porter. She spelled it back to him twice. R-E-O. Oh, the rock band from the 1980s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> R-E-O. <laughs> then asked if he knew what it meant. A real estate EO organization? It's actually real estate owned, Porter said. I like her a lot. I'm I just going to put a little time out here and yeah, say, yes. go Katie Porter. Go Katie You're Porter. You're doing a great job. Fantastic. Very proud of you. She's from UCI here, and she's representing Irvine, and she's taking these people to task. Real estate owned. The term refers to property owned by a bank or a lender after it's been foreclosed. Real estate owned. Porter wanted to know why the rate of REOs issued by the Federal Housing Administration, which is part of HUD, which is under Carson's charge, right. is higher than it is for other government-owned real estate. Sleepy Eyes never gave an answer. <laughs> Later, he sent a family-sized box of double-stuffed Oreos to Porter's office. Oh, that's yeah. so funny, Ben. And I like the way Porter handled it, too. I was pleased to receive correspondence from him, but what I'm really looking for is answers. Thank Porter's you, Katie said. Porter. A real pro. Yeah, she she's is. Just, yeah. And she's a former professor, or yeah. she's taught uh, yeah. a lot of the stuff that she's now talking about with these uh, yeah, members of the cabinet. Also, another thing about that property owned by the banks, uh -huh. it takes forever to turn it around. It's become increasingly longer periods of time for it to be turned around and made available to the public. Speculation has it that they're making the market prices go up because there's less available housing. It's exacerbating an already very, very difficult issue for many people. Yeah, it's a real estate trick, a developer's trick. Yes, it is. Yeah. Thank and you. who do we have as a president? Oh, yeah, a real estate developer. Yeah, exactly. Back at the congressional hearing. When Representative Ayanna Presley, a Democrat from Massachusetts, was questioning Carson about the Trump administration's role in failing to improve conditions in low-income housing, Carson said, reclaiming my time. <laughs> now, 
Now, you can't do that. That's what the Congress member says when the person answering the question is just not answering the question and continues to babble, taking up the Congress member's time. The Congress member says that. Carson's just, I, I can't figure him. I, I think he's dumb. I, he, I, I was going to say, he's evidence of the phenomena of being a savant. <laughs> apparently, apparently he's no, a really no. Good, he's, he's just a, the idiot part. He's well, not the savant. No, well, yeah. apparently he's uh, been reported to be a very good surgeon. I don't know that to well, be true, but he did perform the first separation of Siamese twins at the head, and they later died. Okay. Yeah. Well. I assume this isn't something that's done very often. No, no, but good, but, good for him. He but, knows how to cut. But apparently, he is otherwise ill-equipped to do anything that is remotely <laughs> related to what he's actually been charged to do. Yeah. Researchers confirmed that the remains of the slave ship Clotilda, yeah, long rumored to exist but elusive for decades, has been found along the Mobile River in Alabama, near Twelve Mile Island, and just north of Mobile Bay Delta. The search was based on conversations with the descendants of the founders of Africatown. Even though the U.S. banned the importation of the enslaved from Africa in 1808, greedy Alabama cotton plantation owners continued illegal slave runs to Africa. The slaves from the Clotilda, after being freed by Union soldiers in 1865, tried to return to Africa, but they didn't have enough money. So they pooled what little they had to purchase land, calling their new settlement Africatown. And they formed a society rooted in their beloved homeland, complete with a chief, a system of laws, churches, and a school. Africatown native Anderson Flynn hopes it, the discovery of the Clotilda hopes it brings the attention his birthplace needs in terms of equity for a community he feels has been deliberately decimated by poverty. Yeah. One of the, the interesting aspects of that story that I found was that that slave ship was purchased several years after the U.S. banned yeah. the importation of African slaves. We were still very much involved in slavery and maintaining it and making money off of it. But at some point, the U.S. banned the importation of African slaves. And this guy, the plantation, plantation owner, owner yeah. bought a boat, said, hey, I'm running my own operation here, yeah. which, again— we dismiss slavery and the impact and the business and all of the other things about it. it. It had a tremendous impact on the founding of this country. On May 7th, hackers seized parts of the computer system that runs Baltimore, Maryland's government. It could take months of work to get it back online. Yeah. The city was a victim of a ransomware attack. The city immediately notified the FBI and took systems offline to keep the ransomware from spreading, but not before it took down voicemail, email, a parking fines database, and a system used to pay water bills, property taxes, and vehicle citations. At least 1,500 pending home sales have been delayed. A copy of a digital ransom note stated that the city could unlock the seized files for three bitcoins. That would be $24,000 per system or 13 bitcoins, about $102,000 for the whole bundle. Authorities have not named the hackers, but they have identified the malware, Robinhood. That's the name of it. Mm -hmm. A relatively new ransomware variant. Right now, I say no, Mayor Bernard Young said about paying the ransom. 
But in order to move the city forward, I might think about it. I don't know if that's a good thing to say. Out loud? Bernard, yeah, out loud. <laughs> think about it. You can think about it. That's yeah. all right. Yeah. yeah, what you say is, I'm never going to pay this. Exactly. Yeah. That's why sometimes people say politicians lie, because they're put in this position right, right. where they have to say something, right. and they want to project something to accomplish something. They have to take a stand. Yes. And yes. then somebody else later on says, Bernard lied. Well, no, he was in a tough spot. You else. try running a government for a while and see how it goes. Yeah. There have been at least 169 incidents of state and local governments falling prey to ransomware since 2013. About 70% of state and local governments refused to pay a ransom, while 17% did. Whoa! I'm starting to go to sleep there. Uh, in the 1950s, Mike. Yes. Psychedelic drugs were studied for their potential to help people get over alcoholism. They were doing a lot of things. With, yes, they with were. LSD. We've sort of been uncovering a, a number of things that were being done with psychedelics back yeah. in that era. There's this film. If you go to YouTube, mm-hmm. it's put in British soldiers LSD, and they were testing them on the soldiers themselves, and stopped doing it because the soldiers quit the army. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they they thought well, this, <laughs> I I like LSD better than I like. Dressing up and fighting. Yeah. 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 Putting which, on my little. kind of the way I felt. Putting on my costume. Yeah. And going out yeah. and pretending like I'm not going to kill and people. It's really a fun okay. video to watch. So it's online. They're, they're like falling down laughing and just hugging each other and climbing trees. You know, it's <laughs> it's a good time. It's what you should do. They're picking up guitars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at the time, in the 50s, the research focused on the effects of LSD, which seemed to help with alcohol addiction. Then came drug scheduling, which was just crap. <laughs> LSD was classified as Schedule One illegal, along with heroin, and which is completely ridiculous. Yeah. And to this day, yeah. marijuana. Marijuana is a Schedule One drug along with heroin. The most dangerous drug yeah, out these there. These are the, these are considered like <laughs> this yeah, is your federal government. Yeah, yeah. You take these drugs. Not only will you freak out and run yeah. into oncoming traffic, but your kids will be born deformed. Yeah. And then marijuana. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Marijuana. Jesus. Uh, so the research was over once they did this Schedule One classification of, of, of LSD. Yeah. Now, after a 50-year research hiatus, a new study found that LSD as well as psilocybin are useful in fighting addiction. Remember, we talked about psilocybin last week because Denver legalized the possession of it. This is so amazing. I'm still blown away It's just the possession of it. They're not legalizing selling it or anything like that. I understand, but you can walk around with a mushroom (laughs) and nobody's going to beat you over the head. There you go. Sounds kind of reasonable to me. Yeah. 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 The study collected data on 343 participants who had reported at least seven years of problematic drinking before they had a psychedelic experience. The survey showed a dramatic change in the amount of alcohol people consumed before taking either LSD or psilocybin and the number of drinks they were downing a year later. After taking the drugs, 83% of the participants who had said they had problematic drinking no longer suffered from problematic drinking. 23% reported that their psychedelic experience was the reason they decided to change their lifestyle. The other 60% couldn't remember. (laughs) 
Just kidding on that. Huh? Psychedelic drugs have effects that are more similar to psychotherapy than to traditional medications for treating alcohol addiction. Mm -hmm. While psychedelics actively interact with the brain, uh, <laughs> duh, their benefits manifest in the experiences a person has after consumption. Mm -hmm. In other words, you take the stuff, you feel the effects, maybe a week later, you think to yourself, well, my life's changed a little bit now. I see things differently. Yeah. I'm not uh, drawn to drink anymore. I've been able to experience life in a new way where I see interconnectedness, maybe. Right. I right. know this sounds corny, no, it but does. it's true. Yeah, it's true. A constant in psychedelic experiences is that people see a connection, a sort of a breaking down of the barriers between yourself and other people and your environment, yeah. right? Is that that's, yeah. The results are in line with previous findings from Johns Hopkins, which found that psilocybin was much more effective in helping long-term smokers quit compared to the anti-nicotine drug Varenicline. And finally, and finally, you hear about this Dennis Rodman guy? Have I know you ever of, heard him. of him. What did yeah. he do? What's the latest thing? Well, well he was that basketball player. Yeah, he played for the Detroit Pistons. He was yeah. a, a colorful character. Oh, he, to say he, the least he, at that time. Yeah, he was even then, and even as he continues to this day, one of the great basketball players of his yeah. time. Great really. defense. Great defense. Great rebounder. An amazing athlete. Yeah, he lived here in Newport Beach for a little while. He's a crazy man. He is nuts. You know what? He has. He's <laughs> spoken openly about his kind of challenges, his uh -huh. life challenges. Yeah. And but, then he goes to Korea and makes friends with Kim Jong-un. Again. Yeah. You know. Peace, brother. Dennis Rodman was accused of stealing a 400-pound amethyst crystal from Vibe's hot yoga studio. <laughs> you can subscribe to the Weekly Signals Weekly Review podcast at weeklysignals.com. Weeklysignals.com. Subscribe now.